In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Hello. And as we bring Black Music Month to an end, Mm -hmm. we will spend some time with the showstopper. Amen. Who better to bring a close to our month-long celebration than the Queen of Soul herself. All hail the Queen! Aretha Franklin, as we will discuss 2018's documentary covering the 1972 live recording of the best-selling gospel album of all time, Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. The documentary of the same name, Amazing Grace, here on the Michelle Mission. But before we get to that, What's going on, Lynn? How are things? Uh, things are going pretty well, Vincent. Uh, how about with yourself, my friend? Can't complain. Can't complain at all. That's cool. Shout out to everyone out there um, who are catching us live via StreamYard as we live stream to Facebook, Twitch, and to YouTube. And to everyone out there in the chat, hello, 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 hello. Good evening, one and all. Farrell Blackwell out there rocking his Dervell Martin gear, ready to do this. All right. That's dope. You know, he says that every week. Do you think he bought multiple shirts or is he literally washing it every week? Either option, I'm really happy about. Me too. Me too. Don't even matter. And if you stay ready, he don't have to get ready. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, Point of order for all of you out there tonight. Uh-oh. Did you move the gavel? I, the gavel has moved. You, 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 do you want the gavel, Vincent? I can't believe for the first time you I, actually I, made. I will get you the gavel. Some type of comment where it would have been appropriate, and you moved the gavel. All right, say it again. <laughs> Point of order. <laughs> yes, we do have a gavel here uh, in the bat base, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just to let you know that uh, tonight there will be no top five listing tonight. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I got busy. Yeah. Life, life is what happens when you're making plans. I know, yeah. I know. And I had a good idea for a top five, but okay. I just didn't have time to really execute it. And I think it's one that you would have had fun with. Can, you you, you want to tell me the idea, or you just want to hold? I'll on tell you what the idea. Was. What was the idea? Well, my idea was this movie, okay, Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. is not only named after the album of the same name, mm-hmm. but it is also named after a song. Yes. Whose rendition by Aretha Franklin, while maybe it's not considered the gold standard, it's definitely the one that a lot of people go to. It's... It's it's something. I mean, what we're obviously going to talk about tonight, but it is 
It is something. It is something. It is something. It is something else. Where she sings it. Yes. So that got me to thinking, were there any other songs by Aretha Franklin Mm -hmm. who, just by looking at the title, might inspire a movie? And then trying to come up with a quick byline or idea of what that movie would be. Oh, say a little prayer. Okay. See, I, I was thinking about say a little prayer. So you know, it's it's somebody it could be a man or woman mm-hmm. pining for someone you know in their office. Okay, you know someone in their life. Chain of fools. See now, Chain of Fools definitely. You know that, that you could go right, right. That could be a, a revenge flick. Yeah, it could with, be a revenge flick. Bunch of women who find out mm-hmm. that they're just a link in the chain. Yeah, and now they want revenge. Yeah, but it also Chain of Fools, like in my mind, could be like some real hardcore seventies uh, black crime caper. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Just like some some like you know, because I love like a good caper film. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Like just a chain of fools. And then and you know, all of a sudden, all it takes is one link in that chain. One link in the chain to mess it up. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're as strong as your chain is, you're just nothing but a chain of fools. Sure, sure. I I mean, technically it's a Nina Simone song. True, but her version of "Young, Gifted, and Black" mm-hmm. is iconic. Mm-hmm. So you, you can go a whole bunch of ways. Yeah, with that, you, you know, you get Issa Rae involved, or Spike Lee, or Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, like you know, and the, so you can do whatever you want with "Young, Gifted, and Black." See, you say Spike Lee, and I definitely hear you on Spike Lee. There's a part of me that would want to see maybe, and not even necessarily Ryan Coogler, but maybe even Jordan Peele, just to see him try and put like some type of, like go left with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not expecting it to be, you know what I mean? Or somebody like uh, Lena Waithe who maybe has a pulse a little bit on the zeitgeist of today, a right. little bit more than maybe Spike or even to a degree Ava might have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm always going to go with rock steady. That's actually my favorite Aretha Franklin's uh, song. And that could just be a stylized caper. See, rock steady could be a caper, but, it, and I didn't want to go rock steady one because I like the song. I don't love the song. Okay. And fair, I could see somebody. It's a dark horse. I could see somebody appropriating choice. that for like, like a sequel to Flash Forward. Okay, and like I, I, I you, don't you, need a sequel. You to- you, you, you've been burned by dance films. <laughs> you, you just leaving Rocksteady alone. Yeah, because at mean- some point they're gonna have somebody <laughs> trying to dance. Remember Michael DeLorenzo said he was a street dancer. He had a feather earring. And then he started doing like modern dance and ballet. I know. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need it. Now, Rocksteady could work. I don't know if it works as a title, but it certainly could work as the inspiration for the biopic of the Rocksteady crew. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if that, that might be where they got their name from. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. So that was my idea. Of yeah, 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 yeah. All right. But we didn't go there. But we'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. We workshop it. Workshop it. All yeah. right. Yeah.
uh, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen, because the last few shows have been very obese. So we're going right. to try and be um, a little bit more keep, tighter to, to keep it lean, keep it lean. Most definitely. And we're going to get directly into our listener mail. Vincent. All right. Missives from the missionaries. We got an email from Rodney Crothers. Hey, what's up, Rodney? Not necessarily a top five. Okay. Belated congratulations. Congratulations on reaching 300 men of the mission. Thank you, sir. I'm playing catch up and recently binged all of the last two months of shows. Okay. If it's not too late for Black Music Month, I was curious who you would put on a list of best singing performance by an actor. Oh, I'm not talking about singers who appeared in a movie. So not Aretha and the Blues Brothers or Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha. But maybe Eddie Murphy and Dreamgirls would count. Yeah. I've been thinking of this since hearing the Color Purple episode as I crushed decades ago when I learned that it wasn't Margaret Avery bringing tears to my eyes at the end. Okay. All right. Um, He's, he's got a, good, uh, a little bit more, but I'm going to stop there for a moment. Best singing performance by an actor. All right. You got one? Who? wow. Let me think. Let me think. So it's by an actor. So it's, they can't be a singer. So right. That, or, you know, not known. Yeah. So that knocks out Michael Jackson, knocks out uh, Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. Knocks out. Well, he hit the Blues Brothers. So that knocks out Ray Charles. I got one. It's a little bit of a cheat mm-hmm. since he is a musician, but he's not known as a singer. Okay. I love most deaf as Chuck Berry. Okay. All right. What I don't know what, what movie is he Chuck Berry? Uh, uh, Cadillac records. Oh, that's right. That's he right. also plays, uh, I forgot. I forget the musician's name, but the, but the dude who sings Caldonia, 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 what makes your big head so hard? Oh, I know that song. Yeah, he, play, I, he plays that character in Lackawanna Blues. Oh, it does. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with Most Deaf. Most Deaf is a good one. All right. That's a good one. I was trying to think of... Oh, wow. Wow, 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 Who was I just watching does their own sing- You know who does their own singing? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Who? But I think she's a singer, too. Audra Day. Oh, yeah, she's a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because she's great. Yeah. She's the best thing about that movie, uh, The United States versus Billie Holiday. Who did we just watch? Maybe it wasn't me and you. Can't remember. We just watched something where it was celebrated because this person did their own sing. Oh, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. I was was wondering. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman did a lot of the singing. And uh, don't um, Get uh, get on up. Get on up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he did a lot of his own singing. That's good. Um, you can never go wrong with Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. does not count. No. Farrell Blackwell. He is a singer. No. He's uh, everything. Uh, then Farrell then Blackwell asked, does Millie Vanilli count? No. <laughs> because they're not actors. <laughs> Talk about a chain of fools. <laughs> um. <laughs> I told you it's been like a year. I told you I spent forty five minutes down a rabbit hole reading about Millie Vanilli. <laughs> How can you spend forty five minutes reading about? Dude, them? it is quietly 
a fascinating story how that thing spiraled out of control. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, and then, you know, it spiral. ends tragically. I know. Yeah. But so it's and it just says so much about that period in pop music mm-hmm. that it could even happen. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. In today's landscape. I don't even know how much of a controversy Millie Vanilli would be. Because can none of these people sing? Like, if Millie Vanilli said, okay, basically, we're studio singers, like, there's damn near everybody. Yeah, see, but no, there's a difference. There's a difference. It's one thing to be in the studio and them to put a whole ton of effects on your voice. It's done to they actually harmonize you up. They, they had different yeah. brothers in there. Right. But yeah. remember, they went on Arsenio and they perform. Maybe you don't remember because you didn't fall down a Millie Vanilli rabbit hole like I did. I did not. Remember, they went on Arsenio Hall and performed with their own voices. And they were horrible, if I remember. They were no more horrible than the voices that sung the songs, though. I seem to remember it being not that great. And look, again, it's Millie Vanilli. The, the bar was never that see, high. The reason why it wouldn't be as much of an issue, like you said, right now is because they'd be vocoded all up. Right. They, they'd just be tweaking them right. in the studio. Right. And exactly. it would be their Right. Voices. So they never would have had to yeah. do that in the first place. No, yeah. no, no, no. All right. Looks so quiet is kept. I saw, and I, I was a huge Alexander O'Neill fan. Oh, yeah, don't you say nothing. Don't say nothing. Have crazy. you ever seen Alexander O'Neill live? I have not. Okay. Don't, don't. And then I've saw him. Now I've heard that in like fairly recent years he's been like you know you can't see him live. It's right, just, it's right. Just not right. even good. But I saw him at the height of his powers live. Okay. Don't, don't. Uh, no. I mean, he was the lead singer to, of the time before he got fired or he quit, depending no. on who you talk to. It's probably because like because he couldn't perform live. Like, is he any worse than Morris Day? No. See, here's the thing. Because Morris Day stayed in his lane vocally. That's okay. Alexander O'Neill could sing, but Alexander O'Neill had apparently, I don't know if he had asthma, you know, like COPD. He had bad <laughs> respiratory problems. Oh, man. no. So, like, live, that man would be like, fake, <laughs> can't conceal. <laughs> Just the whole he show. Was, he wasn't going through his conditioning. <laughs> like no, like Alexander O'Neill strikes me as a man who had a big lunch before he performed. Yeah, but you know what? You know who strikes you and has had a big lunch too? Gerald Levert. And Gerald Levert yeah, would get out there and blow. Can, okay. Gerald Levert could actually sing now. But, well, like, was, I, like when you can actually so sing. So you're saying Alexander you can have O'Neill couldn't like, actually like, sing? Like he could sing well enough to be the lead singer of the band that Prince put together. <laughs> he can sing as good as Sherelle. Is he, that what you're saying? Or Morris Day. Well, he sang better than Morris Day. Uh, right, which is why he got the big head and quit and or <laughs> was fired, depending <laughs> on who you listen to. Depending whose version of the story you believe. <laughs> I don't need you, you little blank, 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 blank. I'm going to make my own way. <laughs> uh, Rodney continues. <laughs> P.S. Lens Nia Long Top 5, if you remember <laughs> the top five uh, undeserving co-stars of Nia Long. Yes. Sounded like a pitch for a horror film where Lens snaps and starts stalking all of her former co-stars. Oh. That's not a horror film. That is actually the, um, the small print on the uh, restraining order. I was about to say. 
I love the random pre-show conversations and segments as much as your film reviews. Here's to the next 300, Rodney. Well, Rodney, you've now been involved in one. You've gone from Millie Vanilli to Alexander O'Neill. So there you go. Um, Farrell Blackwell is pointing out um, Cynthia Rivo does an awesome job in the Aretha miniseries. She, she does. does. But <laughs> I st- but Cynthia Rivo it, it made her bones as a singer on Broadway I was as well. Say, wasn't she in the color purple? Yeah. Yeah. So like while she is an actor, she is definitely an actor slash singer. Right. right. So I I don't think she she would count. Um Cynthia, that <laughs> she's a beast. I love Cynthia Riva. All right. So that's from Rodney. We also got an email from Savannah, Georgia from Eric Bray. Hey, what's up, Eric? I love Savannah too. Shout out to Savannah. Hey there, men of me show. I'm still relatively new to the mission and have been working my way through the backlog of catalogs. I love what you do. And perhaps contrary to the opinion of others, could listen to a 10-hour episode of nothing but Len bitterly dissecting (laughs) Tyler Perry's acrimony while Vince laughs on the sidelines. That's my role. That's my role in the press. (laughs) Angry Len is not my favorite Len, but it's in my top five Lens. I haven't listened to every episode, so I apologize if this has been mentioned before, but I'm eager to hear a discussion regarding last year's Zola, talented actor, director, uh, uh, Janissa Bravo's recreation of Zia King's popular Twitter thread. If nothing else, it's worth exploring Riley uh, Keough's problematic, if not unrealistic dialect. I'm also curious to know if 2019's Waves qualifies as a mm. black movie. While the director is not black, the family at the movie center is, mm-hmm. though I'm not sure if their race is oblique to the story's uh, themes. Regardless, I think it's a quality film that a lot of people slept on. Speaking of which, if you ever run out of theatrical releases to discuss and move on to streaming content, and I sincerely hope you're still doing your thing long enough to to see that day come i would like to submit 2017's rap battle dramedy bodied for your Mm. consideration that's not the first time i've heard about that film the director may be korean but the film tackles racial themes in a manner relevant to the mission at the very least there's plenty of meat on the bone for you two to sink your teeth into credit to amy nicholson from unspooled for turning me on to this little scene but sharp flick Lastly, and this is off topic, but I first heard, I just heard that IFC will finally air a second season of his variety show satire, Sherman's Showcase. Oh, nice. Created by the criminally underrated comedy duo of Bashir Salahuddin and Diallo Riddle of Southside fame. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's been mentioned on your show, and it has been by Vincent. But it feels to me like Sherman's showcase was manufactured in the lab for the two of you specifically. The cuts are too deep for some. My wife had never even seen The Last Dragon, so she couldn't find humor in geeky nuances like which eye Julius Carey squinted when he played Shonuff. Sadly, I've been left with the bittersweet experience of thoroughly enjoying something in a vacuum. I'm hoping it's been on your radar and that it lands in your sweet spot as much as I expect. Thanks for all you do and keep up the great work. Eric. 
Oh, thank you, Eric. A lot of good stuff in Eric's letter. Most definitely. Now, I know you are a big fan of Sherman's show. I am. I am. I, I will have to say I do think it is a taste. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's the type of thing I don't necessarily recommend it to people. Yeah. Because either you like it or you don't. Right. But right. I love, like he said, it is like something they made just for me. Like just this really bizarre <laughs> parallel universe soul train. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very happy to hear that. And did you and I talk about Southside? You, I don't know if we did it on air. I know you right. mentioned Southside. Right. I think I, maybe I liked it more than you did. Yeah, because that, that's yeah. where they play like the moving guys, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I watched a couple episodes and, and it was, you know, it was all right. Yeah. 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 I liked it a lot. But I, again, it's sort of the same thing. I'm not trying to yeah. knock down anybody's door. I celebrate their success, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Miss Makiba uh, definitely says that she loves, or excuse me, I freaking love Sherman's showcase. It is the most bizarre show. Drop it low for Jesus. Yes, drop it <laughs> low. All right. Now, did you see Zola? No, I haven't. Did you read the did you read the Twitter thread? No, I, I knew about the movie. I knew what it was referencing, but mm-hmm. I, I I didn't want to I didn't want to take everything in until I actually sat down to watch the yeah, film. I haven't seen it, but I want to see it. And then Waves, I remember when Waves was out. I'm pretty sure um, my dude is in it. I'm looking right at him. This is us, the brother from This Is Us. Oh, um, oh wow, that's that's everybody's show. Uh, hold on, uh, Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown. I think he's in Waves. Yes, he is. Yeah, I remember Waves was out, and I wanted to see it, and somehow I didn't. So. So that's a good list of things. Most definitely. We'll have to add them to the yeah, list. Good looking out. Continuing on the emails, we got an email from Ellis Heron. Hey, what's up, Ellis? No, 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 notorious. Mm. Uh-oh. Let's see where he's going with this one. Hey, fellas, thanks for the great review on Notorious. I especially appreciate Justin Tinsley being on it. Yo, shout out to Justin. He was, a, he was a fantastic guest Yo, last week. Justin Tinsley. He brought it. He brought it. Everyone go out and buy Notorious. Buy a couple of copies. Well, his book is actually, it was all All a dream. dream. Mm -hmm. Biggie and the World That Made Him by Justin Tinsley in stores now. Go check that out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he's the real deal. He is definitely the real deal. Uh, Shout out out to Justin. He was a a fantastic guest uh, last week. Um, With him being a teenager in the 90s like me, Ellis continues, I enjoyed his insight on Biggie and the way hip hop was back then. And Ellis says that he just added his book to his audible library. So he'll be listening to it soon. Excellent. Good decision. The big question was always Tupac or Biggie. Mm -hmm. I went with Biggie because of his brand of storytelling and the way some of his tracks were a blend of rap and old school R&B like his classic Juicy. So I posed two questions to you gentlemen. One, Tupac or Biggie. Mm hmm. And two, with both films having their respective issues, in your opinion, which is the better, Notorious or All Eyes on Me? Keep up the good work. Your boy, Ellis from Fort Worth, Texas. All right. Who you got, Lynn? Tupac or Biggie? I 
gotta go with Biggie. Okay. I think that Biggie's flow. I like Biggie's flow more. I think Biggie was able to adapt to more flows. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about like the track that he did with the um oh I just lost the 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 group. Um the first of the month group. Um Oh Bone Bone Thugs. Bone Thugs. Yeah, yeah. His track with Bone Thugs. He was mm-hmm. right in the pocket with them. Yeah. Um I thought he had I thought that the other thing that I liked about Biggie is that there was no in between with Biggie. Mm-hmm. Biggie's Biggie was Biggie, and he was Biggie on every single track, and you got the full scope of him. Yes. I always thought that with Tupac, you know, like people said, like the thug was fighting with the revolutionary and all that type of stuff. I also think, to to a degree, I think he was trying to have his cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. and that was my one gripe against uh, Pac. So strictly talking about hip hop. Mm-hmm. I landed with Biggie. Mm. Okay. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I think Biggie was the consummate MC. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Everything you I think Biggie was an incredible storyteller. Mm-hmm. I think Biggie, as you mentioned, his flow was immaculate. Yes. I think um I think Ready to Die is is one of the greatest documents of a type of young black manhood mm-hmm. that's ever been made. Like, like I talk about Biggie in classrooms all, all the, I talk about ready to die. Yeah. In classrooms yeah. all the time. When you yeah. realize that in many ways, this is an album wide suicide note mm-hmm. and just the vulnerability, the humor, the aggression, like everything in ready to die is, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of Tupac more than I've ever really liked the music of Tupac. Yeah, me too. Like I like Tupac much more when he was just talking. Like I found him to be a very thoughtful, mm-hmm. very smart man, young yeah. man. Cause again, I think it's worth noting just how young both of them, both of them were. I know, but, but I was always as much, much like you just looking at it from the perspective of pure hip hop, mm-hmm. always a bit underwhelmed mm-hmm. by his music, especially in relation to his thoughtfulness when he wasn't rapping. So, yeah, but there you go. Now, where do you land on Notorious versus All Eyes on Me? No, I haven't seen All Eyes on Me. See, I haven't wa- seen that either. Yeah, I haven't seen All Eyes. And frankly, I probably wouldn't have watched Notorious if it wasn't for this. No. Again, these are both movies that didn't really interest me outside of this exercise. You know, I think it's it's funny if you listen to the episodes from this month and and this is you more than me, where I think it rubbed you more the wrong way. The inconsistencies Mm -hmm. in the facts that would be in these films, whereas I'm just a little bit more. You know, it's, it's, I have a little bit more distance. Yeah. So I just kind of looked at it as a movie. Yeah. But we lived through what happened with Tupac and Biggie. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it and, and just to bring in the third text that we've looked at from this period, um, straight out of Compton. Yes. Like as people who live through it, like it's it's it, it's a little bit more visceral seeing the narrative creation. Exactly. 
when we were there. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, man. I actually remember this time. Exactly. So because of that, I was avoiding Notorious anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know. There you go. What you going to do? Uh, Ellis has a PS here. Oh, a postscript from Ellis. He does have a, a postscript. Sounds like a book James Baldwin would have written <laughs> in 1971. For many years, the origin of Puffy's name mm-hmm. was always shrouded in mystery. Okay. Word was that he wouldn't divulge the information. However, I finally found out why. Okay. Earlier this year, in part due to his inclusion on your show, I listened to Tommy Davidson's book, Living in Color. Mm-hmm. While making... A good read. Yeah, pretty good read. Mm-hmm. While making Strictly Business, he met a young Sean... Sean Combs, who was called Puffy since he looked like the cocoa bird, the cuckoo bird on the Cocoa Puffs cereal box. There you go. There you go. It's actually another anecdote in the book that that was ominously prescient. Uh, Tommy Davidson had a run in with Jada Pinkett's new beau, Will Smith. Mm hmm. On the set of Woo, when Tommy Davidson and Tommy Davidson says this was a little inappropriate, right? And and Will Smith, you know, yeah, and that's why he got sent to his aunt and uncle in the first place. There you go. I mean, it's right there in the beginning of the show, like he'd be getting in fights. <laughs> so we also heard from George Kimona. Hey, George, what's up, George from New York, New York? Hey, city so fun. They named it twice. Gents and missionaries, great show last week. I, for the most part, avoided the movie, but might have to take a look. As for Len <laughs> and his top five, and this is specifically last week where I did top five duplicate movie titles. Yes, yes. Shame on you. <laughs> For missing the Avengers in your duplicate movie titles, Nerd Card is in jeopardy. Now, hold up. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a reason why I didn't include the Avengers. Uh, absolutely. And, and the reason is twofold. One is because this is top five. Yes. So invariably, there's going to be some that is just not going to make the cut. Right, right, right. And two, the Avengers was on, the only title you could have for both movies. Right. The 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 Avengers that was based on the 60s TV spy show, mm-hmm. British spy show, yeah. that show was called The Avengers. Yes, it was. It preceded The Avengers comic. Did it? I believe it did because they they pre Lynn, I see you. Oh, why do you do this? <laughs> Oh, you know, that's the kind of thing that's like catnip. I think they did because with the, the Avengers, you talking the Avengers comic book premieres in early 60s. And so did the Avengers TV series. Right. So as 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 Lynn has mentioned, if you don't know, the Avengers was a television show that followed two spies mm-hmm. in England. Played- and it was created in 1961 and I, and I think we might have to actually come down to the wire with this it premiered January 7th 
1961, as opposed to the comic book, The Avengers. The Avengers. Which I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's about 1963. Oh, good, good. Look at Lynn. What year? September of 1963. There you go. Look at Lynn Webb. There you go. Pulling it out. There you go. Yeah. So it does. The television show precedes the comic. Which meant that a movie based on the show, which also preceded the movie, The Avengers. Yeah, absolutely. Had to be called The Avengers. Yeah. And the movie based on the comic book called The Avengers had to be called The Avengers. So yes, do they share the same titles? But they don't make top five because there was no other title for the movies. Yeah. They didn't didn't have another another choice. Yeah. Yeah. So... My nerd card is firmly look firmly. Look, my look, nerd card is embedded in my look, heart, George. Don't look, you dare come for me, George. Look, Don't let me out you in these missionary streets about how me and my black tribbles came up there and waxed your New York butts in Star Trek trivia, dog. Look, Don't let me do this, dog, because I, I will do it, dog. I, I say it all the time as we live in this nerd friendly world where you can go to the mall and buy all types of nerd stuff. There are levels to this thing. That's right. There are levels to this. Yeah. Everybody get, get in where you fit in. Ain't nobody gatekeeping, Mm -mm. but there are levels. That's right. So that's right. Lynn Webb. Yeah. See me at the dope. That's right. If you, George continues, if we could create (laughs) any music movie scene, it would be the origin where nice and smooth slighted a young Vincent Williams. <laughs> As always, looking forward to the next episode. Peace and lo- long life, George Carmona. George Carmona. <laughs> Can I give a peace offering to nice and smooth? Go ahead. I was thinking about this. Okay. The nice and smooth song, Hip Hop Junkie. Mm-hmm. I think you can make an argument. It's the greatest sample in hip hop history. Oh, wow. Nice and smooth uh, uh, hip hop junkie. That sample, which I, I I hear the music. You know exactly what it is. I think I love you. Okay, I guess you could make the argument. I don't think the argument's going to go far. I mean, think about it. Mm. Those of you that don't know, Mm. that is a Partridge Family song. Yeah. From the television show, The Partridge Family. Yeah, David Cassidy. Which means that in Mm 1980-whatever, when the gods, Pete Rock, premiere. Uh, uh, you, you know, um, who Dre? Well, Dre was. Well, I'm um, thinking about the the, the actual hip hop gods of the moment. Okay. Um, Prince nice. Paul. Prince Paul, most definitely. Ninety nine percent of these dudes sampling jazz, sampling some funk. Someone, and I think Nice and Smooth actually produced that. I, I think, I, well, Greg Nice or Smooth. I think Greg Nice may have produced that. 
remembered this song mm-hmm. from tell remember this is before the internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. remembered this song mm-hmm. from the partridge family mm-hmm. hunted down a copy mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. used that one little part Mm-hmm. flipped it into that track just for difficulty's sake yeah um i, I want to see when w- what year did that come out i mean is that it, it, i mean it had to be like 89 90 okay i mean it's the golden age okay see because because i wanted to, to check that well hold on let me just look uh hip-hop hip-hop junkies i'm sorry he brought up nice and smooth and i've had this peace offering for nice and smooth (laughs) in my back pocket for like three months yes you did yes you did uh hip-hop junkies was released in 1991 okay i would submit i hear you but that is pre predated and preceded in 1988 by Run DMC using Mary Mary by the Monkees for Mary Mary. No, because that's the hook. That's basically the whole song. No, right. But that, uh, that, that, that's actually not like that's part of, I mean, is that even the bridge of I Think I Love You? It's it's in the song. Yeah, but it's not the hook. Okay. Like it's not like So you're like, saying like they were like able to I'm t- saying I'm saying in 1991 Greg mm-hmm. Nice is, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He's beat digging. Mm-hmm. He remembers this song before Hip Hop Junkies. Who thought about that part? And I think I love you. First of all, who thought about I think I love you? Well, here's the thing. If you weren't a teenage white girl. No, but, but that's what I'm saying. I think that if you listen, are you if you're listening to something like Mary Mary by Run DMC, if you're listening to by that time the Beastie Boys, you're digging a little bit deeper into your collections and you're going to more of those esoteric and and poppy white songs which then gets you to especially if you're listening to um if they pull the monkeys, that's definitely going to get you to, over to the Partridge family. And who 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 produced Mary Mary? Wow, who knows? Um, gonna, I want to say Rick Rubin just because he was the white guy at Def Jam, but yeah, he he, was, he wasn't really a, a monkeys guy. He was more of a rock guy. No, he was. Uh, let's see, Mary Mary. The song was oh, I'm I'm. I, I went to the song and not the, the Run DMC, John. Uh, hold on. The Run DMC version was produced by... Wow, they don't even have the, the producer credit. That, at least not that I'm seeing. That's weird. I know. I know. Wow. I, I forgot that was off of Tougher Than Leather. I I I think the hip hop junkies. Oh, it was it was it was produced by Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, along with the, um, Run DMC, who were like they were steeped in that type of stuff. I was about to say Rick Rubin was on his white boy rock thing. Yeah, but so but Run DMC, they weren't like hardcore like street dudes. They no no. no they, I'm talking about Rick Rubin as a producer. Okay, when you look at everything okay. Rick Rubin did. For so Def yeah, Jam. so he so that was his bag. Okay, all right. That's not Greg Nice's bag. Okay. I don't right. know how much credit I'm gonna give Rick Rubin for sampling something he's been listening to since he was five. I hear you, but I just 
I, I, Farrell Blackwell is actually saying, uh, Len wins. That's nuts to pull out the run DMC monkey sap sample. Well, if, if Farrell Blackwell says it, I want, I, I, I don't, Farrell Blackwell misspelled monkeys, so he's disqualified. Oh, shut up. Anyway, Deborah Battle says, <laughs> I still think Jay Z sampling the musical Annie was just as good. Even that, he samples the hook. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. How about, how about um like this is damn near some Pete Rock type stuff where you just pull an element from the song mm-hmm. that's not part of the hook, mm-hmm. that's not really part of the melody. Like when you listen to I Think I Love You, it really is just sort of that what it's almost like a what is it like an interstitial they call it? Interstitial. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it really is like those couple of seconds mm-hmm. of him going ba 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 ba. And I think it might be at the very beginning. It is, yeah. And they don't repeat it. I don't think so. I mean, it's been a while since I've heard that no, song. No, no, no. Uh, but- I, spent, I spent like 20 minutes thinking about this <laughs> like three months ago. I'm telling you, it's a good catch. No, it is a good catch. A and it is a great... It is a, it, I think what you have to do to throw in your argument as it being the greatest sample is to say that it's a sample that is not used as the hook. Right. Because because a lot of people are going to throw hooks at you. Right. Well, right. if you I mean, you know, if you're using a hook, like everybody remembers, I mean, it's right there in the name. I know. It's the hook. You know who was good at building like taking those little bits and pieces and stitching them together? And I can't call out exact examples right now, but but Hank Shockley he was good at the, the, oh 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 yeah, well with pe mean, yeah well you know that's the that's that was the pe thing for that's why they can't um <laughs> that's why they can't stream it i know because it's because so they sampled so much so stuff. much stuff and now these new programs you can spot the sample mm-hmm. and they didn't pay for clearances yeah as opposed to the beastie boys because mm-hmm. the beastie boys paid for i mean and because they they sample like crazy too yeah yeah Shoot. yeah uh what what's the What's the name of that that one album? Oh, Paul's Boutique. Yeah, Paul's Boutique. Oh, yeah, their masterpiece. Like, like every song is like a thousand sales. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about how the like the great heartbreak of Paul's Boutique is that it came out however many months after Three Feet High and Rising, mm-hmm. where Prince Paul did the same thing, and they're like, shit. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know who the winner was? We were. We were. We were. We were indeed. Anyway. That is my olive branch to nice and smooth. All right. Thank you, George, for giving me the opportunity to offer that. There you go. All right. All right. Let's get into uh, the show. I, since you had that little uh, piece that you want to do, Vince, there is something that I want to share with the the missionaries. If you, okay. If you don't mind, Vin, Vincenzo. Hey, of course. And I don't know if you're familiar. I know you're a huge fan of Apple TV. Yes, I'm easy. Well, I mean, you watch some stuff. I know on you ain't had to call me out though. Like, but do you a fan? You- I'm just saying, yes. It, it just feels icky. Like Apple ain't send me no check, but yes, I am. Man, you have. I know what I've done. Okay. Well, anyway, this light you're shining on me is quite bright right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I recently finished binging through the third season of the Umbrella Academy. 
mm-hmm. which is it's not bad. My daughter loves it. It's, it's, I'm still it's, catching up. It's not bad. Yeah. I, 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 there's some parts where it 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 lost me, but I stuck with it because overall I enjoy the show. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the vibe. Right. And then in finishing that, I was looking for, all right, is there something else that I can watch? Because what I want to watch, I can't watch yet because I have promised my girlfriend mm. that I will not start the boys third season until mm. giving her an opportunity to watch the beginning of the first season to see if she enjoys the show. Sure. And if she enjoys the show, then rewatching the first two seasons and then getting to the third season. Sure, of course. So that is that was my promise to her. And we're just waiting for the moment for that to happen. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Well, hopefully that moment will come soon because she has finished Legendary. So that's out of the way. Okay, all, all right. right. So anyway, I digress. So in looking for something to watch, I had heard something good on a podcast and I don't mind sh- shouting this out the film co- podcast formerly the slash film podcast mm-hmm. uh Jeff Kanata one of the hosts on there was talking about he had watched um for all mankind on Apple TV okay I don't know if you're aware of this show I've heard good things okay I haven't watched it though for all mankind on Apple TV is a drama that proposes the hypothetical question what if the russians made it to the moon before the americans Mm. okay and what would that do to the space program and to the american psyche in Mm -hmm. general this is a a sci-fi drama that was created and written by ronald d moore he Hmm. famously the person who after working on the multiple uh, editions and renditions of Star Trek, would go on to reimagine Battlestar Galactica. Yes, sir. And that was primo. Yes, sir. Stuff. Kind of crawled up its ass the last nah, season, but... But I liked it. For the most part, yeah. So this series, which is an alternate history, like I said, and stars Joel Kinnaman, uh, Michael Dorman, Sarah Jones, uh, Jody Balfour, and, and more than a few others, has gotten, like I said, good reviews. Mm-hmm. Even though people have said it's a bit of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Even though now I think it's just in its third season. I've heard the third season, it, it's a little more jacked up because each season it leaps forward in time. Okay. So I started with the first, I started with the first um, season. And I want to present to you, Vincent, and to the missionaries, for All Mankind lends one episode take. Okay. On this show. Now, like I said, this show is an alternate history about what happens if the Russians make it to the moon first and what happens to the American psyche. And what it means is for this time in the American psyche, the Americans are like, they are not having it. They're pissed. Mm-hmm. The All the whole astronaut you know, program is like, yo, we, we got to straighten it out. Why can't we get there? Like the president at the time it's coming down on NASA, like, you know, like, yo, what's up? Like how they get there. I thought you said we had the best stuff. We had the best people. Our, the, our engines, our rockets are supposed to be so much superior. And they're like, yeah, they are superior, but because they're superior, it takes like fine tuning to get this stuff. Right. Um, but we're going to get it right. It's like, well, y'all got like, you know, like pulling out my ass and y'all got like three weeks or some shit like that. Right. So like the gun is on to get them to the moon. Right. 
So, and I think this is either the first, and I said this is one episode take, but it might be going into the second episode, kind of starts blurring a little bit. But the astronauts are like, uh, you know, we, we got to get there. We got to get there. And they're, they're hunkering down, trying to figure it out. And of course, it leads to you see this series of tests that they're going to try to get the rocket right, which means that in the 60s, in the NASA, there's nothing but a room of white men. Of course. Right. Hard at work at this stuff. Some sisters in the basement doing the math. Now. As you see these guys going through through their calculations to try to figure out, you know, how they can get the rockets to work. Um, one of their tests, there is an error message that is coming up on the screen and one of the white guys can't figure it out. Mm. So cut to behind because, you know, in these rooms, it's always the guys that are up front on the computers. And then there's the people behind the windows that are actually on the other computers like that mind the store of those main banks of computers. Mm-hmm. So as this guy is trying to figure out what this era light means, it cuts to the scene behind that window where someone is is frantically reading through a manual because they think they have figured out exactly what that that light means. And clicks on uh, a switch. And it's like, well, I think this this issue is um, just the frazomans, and just hit the frazomans, and we'll, we'll we'll get it all straightened out. And it's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, leave me alone. I'm gonna figure it out. Meanwhile, the head muckety muck, who is always standing there in a vest with his tie, his his sleeves rolled up, he notices that somebody from behind the window seems to have the answer, but nobody's paying attention to him. When the guy up front can't figure it out, the person in back just sits back in their chairs like, you know, I told you so. And of course, the head muckety muck in his vest comes walking up. Hey, what's your name? And the person that he's walking up to is a white woman. Mm. So it is a white woman who has figured that figured out the problem Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to listen to her. And it was at that moment that I checked out of for all mankind oh. because mm-hmm. shout out to Ronald D. Moore. I just, I just gave him all his flowers, mm-hmm. but this show, which has been made in the wake. And I say the wake because it is not fully crested yet. The story of hidden figures. Yeah. Which told of these, you know, while it's centered on one black woman, but there's a bank, a body, a bevy. Yeah, oh yeah. A legion of black women who were, you know, definitely, you know, uh, 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 um, played a part in the success of the space race. Right, the actual space the race. The actual yeah. space race. Mm-hmm. To now take this opportunity to, in this alternate history, to show some woman behind the scenes. First of all, that a woman is in that room is already historic. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing about hidden figures, they were hidden because they weren't even allowed in the room. Right. Think of how many scenes where they would come up with the solutions and then you'd see them standing outside the door. Right. So for them to already have this historic moment where a woman is 
already on the other side of the door. And for that woman to not be a woman of color. And I'm not saying that the woman had to be a black woman. It could have been an an, uh, uh, an Asian woman. It could have been a Latinx woman. But history says it was a black woman. History says it was a black woman. Yeah, so. But for it not to have been a, a woman of color to to give the, to have them at that seat. Yeah. I'm calling mad, mad bullshit. Okay. On that. Plus. Oh, no. There's something in addition to that. Because this alternate history and as the space race moves on and, and I just read through because I was calling bullshit. Yeah. But then I started reading through. It was like, you know, let me see where do things go. This alternate history as it goes through Lyndon Johnson and it goes to Richard Nixon as the president. Richard Nixon in seeing our opportunity to now get somebody on the moon says, well, look, the Russians already got a guy there. So, yeah, we got to be on the moon, but it's got to be a woman. Well, you guess what woman is the first woman? What's the race of the first woman? It's a white woman. It's not a white woman. I don't know. Because you didn't, you didn't look. I didn't even want to look. Didn't even want to look because I would have broke my computer. Yeah, yeah. Because I was already calling bullshit. Yeah. If for that person not to be a black now, I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm putting it out there right now. But I call I call BS on that on that show. Yeah. And yeah. I want and I wanted to be there for it because I love alternate history. Sure. I love alternate history stuff. Like one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years was the um The Man in the High Castle. Yeah. The alternate history of World War II that was on Amazon. That had some race issues too, didn't it? Except it, like towards the end, I remember you telling me. Yeah, they, they kind of dealt they, with it. They, they, they kind of they course corrected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the show was done so smartly mm-hmm. that it, I still didn't mind it. Okay. Yeah, I was I was along for the ride. Okay. You know what I mean. But he but uh, and here, I I it, it totally lost me. To mm. me, that, that show was just a a, a touch tone deaf. Well, you just saved me some time. There you I go. thought you were going to tell me to watch it. No. So, Don't. well, there you go. There you go. So there's Lens one episode take on for all mankind. All right. For all mankind, but not for Lin mankind. No. All right. Not for Lin mankind. All right. All right, Vincent. All right. It's time. Six Degrees of Dervell Martin, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, Six Degrees of Dervell Martin, where Vincent will have to get from 70s action hero mm-hmm. Dervell Martin. Mm-hmm. Icon. Icon. Six movies or less. One of the great voices of his generation. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. You know, you, you were talking... <laughs> Before the show, and we're mentioning that it is a shame that Dervo Martin has passed away, so he could no no longer be on the show. But it might be interesting to try and reach out to the family of Dervo Martin. I would love to that. learn a little bit more. Learn a little bit more about, about Dervo Martin, Martin because hopefully they sense that even though we have fun with this, it is rooted in great respect. It is yeah. indeed like he has brought us much joy as we've been on the mission. Yes, he has. So, so who we got? Who we going? Who we linking, Mister Martin to? 
All right. So all right. So you know, I try and make it, you know, at least in some way, uh, have something to do with the the movie that we're doing. Okay, connected to the documentary Amazing Grace somehow. Yes. Okay. So you can have initials AF oh. or initials FA. Which do you want first? Oh, well, let's go alphabetical order. Let's start with AF. I assume it won't be Aretha Franklin. No, it will not be Aretha Rain, Franklin. You know I'm going right to the Blues Brothers. I know. I know. All right, go ahead. So six movies or less. Get from Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin to Albert Finney. Albert Finney. Oh, my God. Oh, Ah, Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. Who was not in the movie that I thought he was in, but he is in one of my favorite movies. And a movie that I you could use and and make your connection pretty pretty quickly. Albert Finney was one of those actors I see all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I forget what he was in. Uh, Would you like me to remind you? Is he still alive? Albert Finney. That's a good question. I think he... Yeah, he passed away two years ago, 2019. Well, three years ago. The last thing he was in. The last thing he was in? All right. The last thing that Albert Finney was in was indeed the last film was 2012's Skyfall. Oh, that's James Bond. He was in a James Bond film? Mm hmm. All right. They not pivotal, but pretty. All right. I'll put that in my pocket. I can use that. But what's before then? Because it's kind of boring how I'll get to him. All right. Before that, he was in the same year. The Born Legacy. Why is he in these genre movies? He's an old guy. I know. He, He was playing like old tough guy. So now you got you got Matt Damon. You'll never link to this, but I also selected him for another reason, which is because in 2006 mm-hmm. he was in the British American biographical uh, film about the campaign against the slave trade in British Empire, led by William Wilberforce. <laughs> <laughs> the name of that film is <laughs> Amazing Grace. Oh, who's an amazing grace with him? Uh, he, he is in that film, Amazing Grace. And he's Daniel Craig and Matt Damon. He's in that film with uh, Ian Grufold, uh, <laughs> Kieran Hines, a great character actor, uh-huh. Michael Gambon of Harry Potter fame, uh-huh. Albert Finney. And one Doctor Strange himself, Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, now, now I've just given you your I connections know, now. I know. All right, we'll do Daniel <sighs> Craig. Derville Martin is in the final come down with Sidney Poitier. No, I'm sorry. Billy D. Williams, mm-hmm. who is in Lady Sings the Blues with Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Who's in Harlem Nights with um, Eddie Murphy, 
who's in Boomerang with Haley Berry, who's in whatever movie that was in she whatever Bond movie that was in with Daniel Craig. Halle Berry? Yeah. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. She was not in a she was not in a in, Bond film with that. She was Craig. not that's that's the wrong dude. All right, so let's do Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> All right. right. All right. So, so, so I got to get to Matt Damon. Derville Martin is in. Derville Martin is in Sheba Baby. Pam Greer. Pam Greer's in Jackie Brown with Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson is in Pulp Fiction with Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames is in uh, um, Baby Boy with Tyrese. Tyrese is in um Four brothers with Matt Damon. Matt Damon apparently is in the Born. What is? Would you say it's the Born Ultimum? Tyrese. Matt Damon is not in the Four Brothers. That's not Matt Damon. It's not Matt Damon. It's Mark. That's Marky Mark. <laughs> yes, it's Marky Mark. Oh my goodness! All right, <laughs> all right. Matt Damon. All right, boy. These boy, the white boys are jamming me up right now. <laughs> They're all the interchangeable white boys. <laughs> my weakness. It's your kryptonite. It's my kryptonite. All right. Let's try this again. Let's try this. Take three. Take three <laughs> to get to Matt Dane. You try to get that. You try to you try to get I mean, to I'm Albert trying Finney. to get Albert Finney. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Hmm. <laughs> Let me hunker down. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you one more shot, and then I'm going to give you the movie that's going to get you there. Okay. All right. Derville Martin. Mm-hmm. Same same first couple of moves. Sheba Baby, Pam Greer. Pam Greer's in... um. Which my face with Samuel Jackson, Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown, Samuel Jackson is in Samuel Jackson is in Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington is in He Got Game with Rose, and I know I'm all over the place with this. He got game with Rosera Dawson. Rosera Dawson is in what is the name of that? What which Kevin Smith movie is that with the Angels? Oh, um, it's not 
clerks. It's not clerks because, but of course, I can't can't get clerks out of Dogma. Dogma, yeah. Dogma with Matt Damon, who's in the Born Ultimum Ultimatum with Albert Finney. Um, I mean that's right. I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in the Born Ultimatum. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was ugly. <laughs> that was there. ugly. Who's the FA? You got there. Um, okay, you ready for the FA? I'm ready for the FA. Right, the, I'm trying to get the F away <laughs> from the FA. <laughs> well, you did good. I mean, you, I mean, hey, you got there. It was, it was ugly. There. The, right. This one is it'll a lot easy. Okay, a lot easy. I hate when you say that. No, it is. All right, is. a lot of pressure when you say that. Get from Dervo Martin. Dervo Martin to Franklin Ajay. Oh, Franklin Ajay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Franklin Ajay, that's fun. Dervo Martin is in. I don't want to get to Franklin Ajay because I know where I'm going to get. Oh, boom. Dervo Martin. Tell me how he wants to flex. <laughs> Dervo Martin is in. Guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Portier? Yes. Sidney Portier is in a raisin in the sun with Ah, I just forgot his name. The brother from Hogan's Heroes. Oh, Ivan Dixon. Ivan Dixon. Mm. Ivan Dixon is in car wash with Franklin and Jay. Very good. I knew you were going to get. I knew yeah, you were going to get. Yeah, Franklin and Jay. That's a, you haven't used uh, you haven't used a Negro in in many episodes. Well, and thank you for giving me a black person to link to. You're welcome. I, I did that because I knew Albert Finney was going to. Albert Finney was. What's the movie? What was the Albert Finney movie you thought I'd get to immediately? Well, the one that I thought because it has a number of stars in it, but admittedly they're all white, is uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh yeah, because he plays Hercule Poirot. Oh, but then the movie that was pro- that from the nineties. No, that's like the eighties. Oh yeah. Um, but the movie that I, I, I you could have gotten there with was um actually, Murder on Orient Express of nineteen seventy four, um, was Aaron Brockovich. Oh, Julia Roberts. I've never seen it. Oh, it's not a bad movie. I hear it's good. I just, I've, I've just never seen it. Yeah. I hear, speaking of, of biopics that they take, they say they took extensive liberties. Extensive liberties with, with, with that, that actual. One. Yes. Yes. Albert Finney's in that. See, Albert Finney actually was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Good for you, Albert Finney. Well, there Finney's, you go. I, 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 he, he, he was a beast. I know, I know, but I think he's—I think he's one of those great actors that vanishes into the role. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he actually did a lot of work. Like he did film, he did television, um, he did a—he did a lot of, you know, a fair amount of stage as well. Okay. You know? All right. Well, there you go. All right. And you gave me a black, <laughs> a genuine black. <laughs> A genuine black, which is one of our designs, is available on uh, T Public. There you go. Check it out. It's a synergy. All right. Check Speaking it out, of Liz. genuine black, 
Well, speaking of genuine black and and speaking of car wash, speaking of 70s, speaking of 70s black exploitation films, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed hearing Vince get there, wait till you see the connections that are coming next week on the Michelle Mission. Mm. As we come out of Black Music Month, we it's time, look, it's time for another binge lounge. Yeah. And we've got a binge lounge, a special binge lounge that is planned for you. We have none, none other than Arthur Josiah Howard, the author of Black Exploitation, The Essential Reference Guide. Yeah, and that's it's not an idle boast. No, it's not. It is, it is actually essential. It is so it dope. It really is. It is so dope. Um, what I love about it is that he he interviews like 20 great directors yeah. from the black exploitation era, right. which that wasn't even necessary. I know. Like it could have just been the encyclopedia part. Exactly. And, and what I also love, like, like you mentioned, it, it is almost an encyclopedia of the black exploitation films, but it's not just dry listings of plot Mm-mm. cast, Mm-mm. you know, production credits or whatever. He gives his a little spin. It, each listing is like a mini review of the movie. Yeah. And that's what I love. That's yeah. a man to put his blood, sweat and tears into it. And he will be joining us live next week as we create Sweetback's badass universe, mm. the shared universe of the black exploitation era, right here live on the Michelle Mission next week, ladies and gentlemen. Same time, 7 p.m., same day, Tuesday, July 5th. The binge lounge is going to be off the hook. Sweetback's badass universe next week here on the Michelle mission. It's going to be a great time. Oh, I cannot wait. I am. I am. So I, my top five for that is already done. All right. It is already done. Like that's why I couldn't come up with a top five for this, <laughs> for this week. It, it, it is going to be, uh, if Farrell Blackwell wants to know, are we dressing up for this one? Funny thing about that Farrell. Oh, I put it out there. He did. For my compadre, my partner in crime. He did. Vincent, to join me. He did. In regaling ourselves. He floated this idea. In the accoutrement of the period. He did. Of which we will be celebrating next week. Yes. Yes, he did. To which Vincent said, nay. No. I say, however, if I deem it worthy to be washed in time, I will wear my Blackula t-shirt. Yes. Yes. That is the extent of his dressing up. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or my Cotton Comes to Harlem t-shirt. There you go. There you go. I, however will be adorned in appropriate 70s black exploitation attire and will be resplendent in polyester. No, I don't know if I'm going to go polyester. <laughs> I mean if you go in 70s it's summer. It's summer. Okay. Look. Hey. I don't know. I don't know about that. All right. But 
it's gonna look it's gonna it's gonna be funky it's gonna be a funky good time it's gonna be a stone cold groove baby amen next week here on the michelle mission all right let's get into our review of amazing grace we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages Amazing Grace, a 2018 documentary directed by Alan Elliott mm. and Sidney Pollack. Mm. In 1972, after a series of 11 consecutive hits, already deemed the Queen of Soul, 29-year-old Aretha Franklin recorded Amazing Grace the most successful gospel album of all time at the New Temple Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. The plan was for Sidney Pollack to document the creation of this album yes, and then release the concert film in concert with the release of the album, perhaps as a double bill with a quote-unquote black exploitation film at the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to some technical errors, the film was not able to be completed. After going through a series of legal hoops, mm-hmm. technical hoops, personal hoops, mm. this hoop and that hoop, the film was finally released in 2018. Amazing Grace 
a documentary, again, by Alan Elliott, who finished the film, and Sidney Pollack, who began the film, mm-hmm. was the choice of Lynn Webb as we end our Black Music Month celebration of 2022. Lynn, what do you have to say about Amazing Grace? I selected this film because I I suspected that this film would pretty much be just a celebration of the greatness that is Aretha Franklin. There are there are titles that get thrown around. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jackson's The King of Pop. Uh, James Brown, The Godfather of Soul. Aretha Franklin of Soul. And one of the other titles that gets uh, thrown around with in regards to Aretha Franklin is she is noted as the voice. And it's like if you, especially we're now in 2022. So if you've only known Aretha Franklin from maybe the mid to late 70s, 80s, you know, trying to mess around with the disco era, maybe being re rediscovered by hip hop. Um, uh, she does a, a couple of ballads, um, one with Lauren Hill, mm-hmm. which you know historically. Rose, um, Rose. Y- you you know her uh, as a majestic presence in the world of music. A person who everyone kneels and genuflects before, rightfully so. Perhaps you know her as the woman that was personally selected to sing for the Pope. Mm-hmm. And what a majesty she was then. In her later in later years, she would lend her to arias and opera and 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 show that her voice could could translate into any language into any genre but if you only know her from then and you revisit some of her albums you're only really getting two to four minute snippets of the true greatness of Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. And you're also maybe getting to a degree, a, a a bit of a, uh, uh, codified Aretha Franklin because great as she is with her 11 hits that you just, you just listed. Everybody knows respect and, say a little prayer everybody knows all of her hits as great as she is aretha franklin is was grew up first and foremost the church mm-hmm. her father was a preacher and she's a preacher's daughter and that is where she honed that gift that is where that voice found its range it's learned how to reach for the stars how to bring from below learned how to do these amazing runs became this magnificent uh treasure and weapon of hers Mm. and 
I knew or I, I suspected that this film was going to be the ultimate testament to this because if anyone has ever heard her live album, The Amazing Grace, it is beautiful. Mm. It, it, it is magnificent. It is, it is what everyone wants their choir and their lead singer hmm. to sound like. Yeah. That is they that album on any song. It's an, that's quite the understatement. Yes. Is the template. Yeah, oh yeah. Of for what you want it to sound like when you go to church on Sunday. Unless you think that that is all fake. This would put that all to rest, mm. put any doubts to rest about how truly magnificent that moment in time was and how truly amazing Aretha Franklin is. Yeah. Because the first thing, okay, there's two things. The first thing that I noticed in this film, this document in time is that even though this is filmed over a course of two days, um, her recording this the the album at the New Temple Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, and not to be mistaken, this is not too long after the Watts riots. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely a a town, uh, a moment in time where there are people that are looking for a little bit of direction. They're looking for some peace. They're looking to believe in something again. Mm-hmm. Even though this is filmed over a, a couple of nights in time, this movie opens up and it feels like people are going to church because hmm. they are getting dressed up. They're getting dressed to the nines. They are coming in. They're finding their seats. They're like, oh, how you doing? Yeah, we here for a nice night. It, 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 it just takes you back and it takes you back to where church as it was when me and you were coming up you know what yes, i mean yes sir where you know the mothers the the mothers of the church were up front mm-hmm. you know the the children were sitting there hands in their on their laps they were quiet people were dressed for church you know um they were looking resplendent people were 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 talking they were a buzz but they were respectful yeah yeah you know um it was also hot in the church because <laughs> don't matter how many fans you got church equals heat it don't matter what day of the year it is church equals heat an air conditioner is never quite working right? no it's never working if it's there at all it's never it's never working that's why the air conditioner is next to the chart for the building fund yeah because once the building fund reaches a certain level then we can turn the air conditioner on you know this air conditioner you know, when it reaches another level, we'll buy the other air conditioner for the other side of the church. You real black right now, but that's you what talk, this church you was. About the building fund. <laughs> but that's what this church was. That's what this church was. That's the first thing you know. That's the first thing you notice. The second thing I notice is that as the great honorable and probably the first name in gospel music especially at this time the reverend james cleveland yes 
opens up this church and he introduces his choir. Yes. If you have been, you know, um, taught over the last 20, even possibly 30 years, that when the choir comes in, they're coming in stepping. Mm. They're coming, they're coming and bopping, you know, they're coming to somebody's doing a beatbox. Somebody is leading them and like, almost like, you know, drum line coming down. No, not in 1972 <laughs> choir. <laughs> that ain't how we get down. Not James Cleveland, Southern California community choir. That's right. Cause this is the community choir. Yeah. These are people from the community. Yeah, yeah. These they are, work at the phone company. They work the at the phone company. They work at their their mailmen. Mm-hmm. They are people, they are people, the trash men. They are phone operators who get together and put on. Now, I will say they all had kind of like shiny vests. <laughs> I think Aretha may have may have splurged for a little a little bit of blank. Yeah, see, I feel like somebody in the choir so dumb. Over a series of three weekends. Okay, yes. Yeah. But she paid for the material. Okay, all right. The the, the film crew paid for the material, yeah. and y'all can put y'all y'all. But then they come in, they come in, and it ain't a bop, it ain't a drum line. It's just a. Uh, it's 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 real Sunday. Look, it's real Sunday, dog. It's real Sunday. This ain't no game, yo. And I am there for it. Mm-hmm. I am there for it mm-hmm. because. That choir, they take their time. Mm-hmm. They don't want to miss those steps, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, coming down, coming walking into the church, that's a little bit of a ramp. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of, you know, that's a, that's steep. So you got to take your time. You get to the steps, and you got to pull up your pull up your choir. You know, they taking their time. Loved every moment of it. Mm-hmm. The next thing I noticed is that I love that this is a moment in time for Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. For those that don't know, and part of the reason why this film, filmed in 1972, doesn't come out from 20 until 2018, Aretha Franklin is an intensely private person. Yeah, yeah. Part of that is because, as you, people have learned reading o- over her biographies over the course of years, she is a product of some severe childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, losing her mother at an early age, uh, a victim of some abuse a- a- as a child. Um, and she did have struggles with alcohol mm-hmm. and I believe with some other substance issues yeah, yeah. over she, the course she, of time. She's, she's had challenges. Yes, yeah. she's she's had challenges. And while because she is, you know, a public figure, those stories are out there. She is intensely private about her things. She is not going to let you know any more about her than you need to know. Right. And that is still Aretha Franklin in 1972, very much at the heights of her powers. As we mentioned, she is like already at this young age. I believe she's maybe 30 years old. Yeah. I think she's 29. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, she is already the queen of soul. But this film, Aretha Franklin does not speak. There it is. A word. There it is. Until the very end there it is. of this film. Mm-hmm. The only window 
you have into who Aretha Franklin is as presented by this film is the window that she has always opened up to you. And that is Aretha Franklin singing. Mm -hmm. But in this film, she is opening her window that much wider because this is truly Aretha Franklin singing her origin story, singing gospel music, singing the devoted hymnals of, of your mother, your grandmother's gospel. And I present to you that it is one of the most mesmerizing, mm. uh, uh, powerful scenes on earth. Mm. It is also, despite, because the church is hot, despite the many, many, many glistening droplets of sweat that are on her, her brow and on her face that slightly smear her eye makeup as she sings, it is also one of the most effortless displays of this prowess you will ever see. Yeah. You will ever see. There are people that kneel at the altar of, you know, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Patti LaBelle. Mm -hmm. None of them have nothing on Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin opens up her mouth slightly and she fills that entire church with soul, with love, with heart, with 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 uh, devotion. It is so incredible, and it doesn't matter what song she sings. There's a song she sings, "Precious Memories." Good Lord, have mercy. Her hum has soul. Yeah, singing that song. Yeah, man. She also sings with the choir. How I got over. Mm. Dude, dude, I honestly, like I've heard that song sung in churches before, but every time I, I hear it sung in churches, I go back to where I hear it sung in Uptown Saturday Night. Yes. I will never hear it from Uptown Saturday Night ever again. Look, There is no other rendition of how I got over but Aretha Franklin telling you exactly how she got over. Yeah. It is so incredible, so joyful. And that doesn't even touch the, the majesty, the, the magnificence of her singing the title song, Amazing Grace, which is one of the best, if not the best musical moments ever put to film full stop one because it's aretha franklin she's incredible mm -hmm. two because it's live mm. this is not a, this is not a mashup this is not her going in singing over no. the the, the, mm -mm. the video of this mm -mm. this is her in the church singing it live and three you can see the 
effects that her singing this song has on Aretha. Yeah. On James Cleveland, who cannot contain himself. Yeah. On the entire congregation yeah. who don't care about the cameras anymore. They are in church. They is at a Baptist service and they the Holy Ghost is in the building. Yeah. And it is just amazing, amazing moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was joking that Lynn made me laugh earlier i text lynn and i said aretha franklin is really good at singing and lynn said yep shortest episode ever (laughs) because you really i mean that really could just be the review exactly like everything that you said about this documentation of this moment Mm -hmm. is 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 magnificent as you said i 100 agree with you i think aretha franklin is the greatest singer in history, full stop, no modifier, nothing. Mm-hmm. And this moment during her run, during her classic run, yes, from like 69 to like 76 or so, mm-hmm. is 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 the crest. Yes. So that everything that you said, you're talking about she wrecks the people in the audience at the church. When I saw this in the movies in Bryn Mawr. That's right, because you saw it in the theaters. Yeah. I could barely contain myself. As I watched it this afternoon, sitting on my sofa, I spent more time than not going, mm, go on. You know, just get, I mean, it's, it's like this is a woman whose voice has been touched by God. I know. Like you really just cannot deny this voice Mm -mm. the documentary itself a couple of you know it's like the voice is so pure and so wonderful and it's only so many ways you can say pure and wonderful that you do look for other things much like you it is striking the sort of dichotomy between this voice Mm -hmm. and the moments where she isn't singing I don't know if I've ever seen footage of Aretha Franklin where she looks so young. Yeah. Like her manner is a bit tenuous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where, where, where if you didn't know this was Aretha Franklin, Mm -hmm. you would think this was a James Cleveland concert. And this is his lead singer. This is his lead singer. Because you can see how deferential she is. She's so deferential to him. He is such a huge personality. Yes. He has so much charisma. Yes. He commands the room. Like he really is a preacher. Like Jane, like this really is also a great showcase for James Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the way he moves this choir but let's give a shout out to the i think the true choir director oh, yeah. and Alex, alexander hamilton alexander hamilton who yeah. was who was fantastic mm-hmm. but even with him james cleveland is in charge oh yeah oh yeah like yeah. he really is orchestrating amen entire, and and and, he, and he's fan, i mean it really is like a good preacher it really is a gift mm-hmm. and a skill. Mm-hmm. And James Cleveland has it. Mm-hmm. The way he kind of moves this stuff around. As you said, we do not hear Aretha Franklin's 
speaking voice. I know. Until the very end where she thanks everybody from, for coming. And think about that, ladies and gentlemen, because she is she is coming to this church to record this live album. And everybody's coming there. They know they know what they're, yeah. they're in there for. And James Cleveland is kind of like the master of ceremonies. Aretha Franklin, and this is not a knock. She doesn't even say hello to the audience. Look, she's there to do. Look, she's, I am there for this music. I'm here for this project. You get the sense that she is 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 completely focused mm-hmm. on what's at hand, mm-hmm. and this is not someone in concert with niceties. You know, here's a here's a little ditty that I that I sang when I was nine. That's not what she's here for. Not here. Not this. That's not this show. I think this says a lot about the church, especially at this moment in history, which has traditionally been a masculine space Mm. so part of it is james cleveland is a man Mm -hmm. so he's supposed to be in charge Mm -hmm. you know even the the moment towards the end where her father reverend cl franklin yeah gets up and speaks but he commands this space yeah like these are men who are used to being in front of a congregation. There's a cute moment between them, uh, between uh, her father and Aretha, when she is singing at the piano and he kind of like wipes her, wipes yeah. the sweat off her brow. And it's it's a cute moment, but it also is like a moment where, again, she, it, you talk about how young she looks. She She's every bit the 29 year old daughter yeah in that moment yeah like, like daddy stop. yeah right and a child of the church yeah like yeah. she really does and it's it's a striking energy to see from aretha franklin as you mm-hmm. said you know for for men our age and certainly people younger than us she was so regal mm-hmm. like she really was the queen and in her bearing and the way she talked so to see her almost vulnerable like this Mm -hmm. was was striking i love the choice that both um you you know not so much sydney um pollock and and as we mentioned sydney pollock taped it they had problem with the synchronicity because sydney pollock in his defense a very very young yeah sydney pollock i think he only directed one feature yeah and this was his first documentary right and like you mentioned he he didn't um use a clapper so there was no synchronicity between the audio and the video which made it very hard took years and years for this to get fixed alan elliott Mm -hmm. is the one who finally Put it together, basically. Right, because Sidney Pollack, who uh, unfortunately he, he was dying, yeah, he was he dying and he, he handed it off to him. I love the choice that Alan Elliott makes, that this is just pure footage. Yeah. Like a lot of documentaries, you know, you get the talking heads, you get the little cuts in between. Mm-hmm. And and I like a lot. Like, I love, like, like, I love, like, you know, now it's Questlove sitting in a studio talking about you know, Bernard Purdy on drums or something. For Summer of Soul, right. Or just, you know, just it's, it's almost like the Ken Burns approach mm-hmm, where mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. this footage and then you have a talking head kind of framing the Comment, footage. Commentating on it, right. You don't need it for this. No. This is just pure art. Mm-hmm. It's just this pure document. And I love that Amazing Grace trust us as the audience that we don't need to be guided through this. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that it has enough respect and trust for this footage that it knows this footage can stand on its own. Like it really is, you know, it starts. Aretha starts out with Holy Holy. Oh, my God. Which is uh, uh, the, it's a Marvin Gaye song. cover of a Marvin Gaye song. Yeah. Whew. That's another one. Like, I, I'll never listen to Marvin's again. Yeah. Look, it, it, Aretha Franklin is really good at singing. <laughs> this this is a masterpiece. She's really good at singing, but it, it also was very cool because even though I knew from the live album that she was playing the piano, and I've certainly mm-hmm. seen her play the piano, but it's another thing to watch her singing that song and playing the piano at the same time. And again, I guess maybe it's the youth of her, you know, the youthful energy that she, pre- that she presents. Mm-hmm. It it really was just like a really beautiful mo- uh, moment watching her sing, especially that Holy, Holy. Right. Really- Which, you know, you don't read too, you know, I think, I think part of the danger of a documentary like this, now I'm going to contradict myself where you don't have the talking heads guiding you through and kind of creating a narrative. Mm-hmm. You kind of create one in your head. Mm-hmm. I did think it was noteworthy that she starts out with basically a secular song mm. and she's sitting behind a piano mm. and then she stands up. And now, and and it's like as as the film goes on, it's like she gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, behind the mic, mm-hmm. and and it it is it, it it's extraordinary. Like this this is a masterpiece. I, this I, is an actual masterpiece. Speaking of uh, creating your own narrative, I read that as again knowing how private she she was and watching her. She's at the height of her powers, but there are moments, even then in the beginning uh, uh, of this whole exercise, where she looks a little passive, a little, you know, nervous. Yeah. And I think the the impetus there to have her seated, rooted in the one spot at the piano, which is smart because it's now her hands have something to do. Right. They have to play. The singing is going to take it, you know, take care of itself. And I think it's it's very knowing that in, um, it says something that when she does start singing, she closes her eyes. Remem- remember, she hasn't greeted the audience. She's, no. she's come in, sat down outside of like, you know, touching a couple of hands as she's walking down the aisle. She really just seats herself at the piano. And then it's really kind of like just locked in. Like, when do I start? When do I start? Right. And then she closes her eyes to begin. And it is almost like she's, it's like the woo-saw moment for her is what Holy Holy um, provides for her as taking her into the rest of the evening. I think it, it, it yeah. was smart. And it, it it grows and grows. She ends with, we will never grow old at old at this point. Mm. This is the second night. Her father is there. Legendary gospel icon. Clara Ward is there. Yes. Yes. As we mentioned, James Cleveland is there by the time she gets to, we will never grow old. 
Aretha Franklin actually destroys the church. She does. Yep. Clara Ward falls out. Her father falls out. Clara Ward's mother falls Clara out. Clara Ward's mother falls out. The damn choir falls out. Yeah. Aretha has sung herself happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it really it is, it is again. I don't know how many different ways you can say it's amazing. And I just love the fact, as you said at the beginning, that this is captured. Yeah. That this is actually documented. Because you wouldn't even believe, like, you wouldn't believe this. No. Unless you saw it. No. You wouldn't. I don't know how people were in the room. Like, like without hyperbole, without, like, I don't understand how you could be in that room on that choir. Mm-hmm. Hell, James Cleveland, I don't know how you could be that close to her while she's singing. Like, it just seemed like it was damn near too much watching it on TV. It was. It was. We didn't even mention that also in the uh, audience was uh, Mick Jagger, <laughs> Mick Jagger and Charlie Watts. That's right. From the Rolling Stones. From the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Who were in town. Uh, finishing their Exile on Main Street album. Mm -hmm. Uh, And actually, I believe it was critic Jordan Hoffman believes that the gospel inflections of songs from that album, Shine a Light and Let It Loose, possibly were inspired by Mick Jagger's visit uh, to this recording. Okay. And that's not hard to to imagine. Yes. (laughs) You mean the Rolling Stones were influenced by some black singers? The, yes. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I was sitting. Okay. When you dropped that little bombshell. Okay. All right. True. Well, the, the Rolling Stones weren't Led Zeppelin. They didn't. No, rip, no. They didn't rip off <laughs> black singers. No the Rolling one, Stones were. No one, <laughs> no one was Led Zeppelin. Yeah. So there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not going to arch my eye too much at, at Mick Jagger. Oh boy. Yeah. I guess if you're comparing them. <laughs> Led, Led Zeppelin never met a barefoot blues singer they didn't want to steal from. <laughs> For real. Oh, boy. So, yeah, look. Look, look. Look. I, look. I don't even know what else to say. Look. Like, we can talk about, you know, it, it was held up in legalities. Aretha didn't want it released for years. Uh, there was money involved at some point. You know, the, the 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 argument is she wanted some money for it. You, there's a couple of articles that talk about she didn't want it released for undisclosed reasons yeah. at some point, which, again, to kind of bring your own narrative into it, I do wonder how, how comfortable she was with how vulnerable she looks. And I actually think that's what it was. Like, this is quite transparent. I think I Just honestly, her body language mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the Aretha Franklin, you better think, mm-hmm. persona. Yeah. That yeah. we all know. I honestly want to believe that, that you know, I'm sure there probably were some money issues, but I have to imagine that, you know, no one was trying to get over on her money wise. Right. So I, I really do imagine that it is how vulnerable, because if we see or, or are perceiving that she looks vulnerable to us. Right. And we're not the only ones who've interpreted it like that. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Imagine how she is seeing it. Yeah. You know, 
Um, so I can definitely uh, appreciate that. I also appreciate that, you know, this was re- released after she passed, after the producers were able to reach an agreement with her family. Right, with her estate. With her estate. And it's not hard to imagine that her estate, they could have just landed on, well, if she didn't want to release, we're not going to release it. Which there's an argument to be made. They didn't respect her wishes. There, there is, but I have, I want to believe that they maybe had uh, maybe a window into who Aretha was you know, the, the person that she was and realizing that if, you know, there's, there's some people like, you know, given their own, their own wishes, like a lot of stuff wouldn't get done. You right, know, right. sometimes you gotta, you gotta get drag them too. Well, you know, it would make me sad if Aretha Franklin is in heaven Man. and she doesn't, right. She doesn't like, but, but I do think that this is a document that serves the public good. Oh my God. Yes. That actually makes the world a better place. It does. So it does. So it I does. guess. And, and I, I also appreciate it because as much as we still listen to music, let's, let's face it. The world has moved into the visual realm now. Yes. Um, And I, I think to be able to witness. Yeah. The, the 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 queen in her full regalia is it's it's a time capsule that is worth constantly opening i cannot wait i, I was telling you i'm going to be having a a um a get together over here at my house in a in a few weeks and um this film which is streaming on hulu right now i'm just letting you know if you hulu is up there for free my my older sister who was a huge aretha franklin fan is, that is her favorite singer full stop well next to eddie kendrick's but we won't get into that um that's a whole nother issue keep uh, on trucking baby please just keep on moving um keep on but, trucking. but uh she doesn't have Hulu, so so she's not seen this. Okay. And I I cannot wait for when she comes over here, and I'm just going to plop her down on mm. the couch and just say, "Here, mm. this is the TV is yours for the next two hours." Just I envy yourself. her seeing this for the first time. Yeah, she's never seen it. Mm. She's never seen it. I can't wait to to uh, debut this for her. So, Lynn. Yes, I would recommend uh, if you have not seen Amazing Grace. Every one within the sound of my voice should stop what you're doing because we're at the end of the podcast and go and watch amazing grace absolutely this is required viewing yep this is required viewing and 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 something just to underline something that you mentioned from the the choir marching in to the call and response with the congregation, which mm-hmm. is what it was, from the way C.L. Franklin and James Cleveland navigated this space, this is also a document of pure blackness. Yeah. Like, this is so pure mm-hmm. and so unfiltered. Mm-hmm. 
So, and from this time, like all we like, needed was an altar call, right? Like many, you know, if you are too young to remember church when it was like this, if you've never been to a black church, this, this, this is this is a beautiful document. Yep, right. of 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 the splendor mm-hmm. of of black church at its best, most definitely. So, yeah, absolutely, this required viewing. There you go, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, pure black indeed all right uh before we tell you again about what's happening next week uh check out the michelle mission two men one podcast every black film ever made go to michellemission.com that's m-i-c-h-e-a-u-x-m-i-s-s-i-o-n.com where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs that we have available for you from our good friends at t public we got our six degrees of Durval martin collection up there we've got our genuine black design up there check it all out you can leave us um an idea of what's on your head email us at michellemission at gmail.com leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666 voicemail might actually get played on the show you can follow the michelle mission on instagram facebook and twitter at michelle mission subscribe to us on youtube and twitch as well as give us a five-star rating and a review on spotify and apple Podcasts because that really helps people find our show the michelle mission is a proud member of the podglomerate thepodglomerate.com we make podcasts work all right Next week here on the Me Show Mission, Sweetback's Badass Universe with author Josiah Howard of the Black Exploitation Essential Reference Guide, Vincent and Josiah. Let me sit in as these two <laughs> 70s nerds just do all the heavy lifting and connect all the dots to create a shared oh, universe. Of the black exploitation era of seventies films, oh, it, it, it! How many degrees of Durville Martin is this one? <laughs> you know, you know, he's right in the middle of. Uh, he's right there. He's right. Th- he's right there. But is he the watcher? Well, I'll give you a little peek. A little peek. The supernatural branch. Mm-hmm. He's the link between white horror. In Black Har, because he's in Rosemary's Baby. <gasps> that's a little peek. That's 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 a little something I'm gonna leave y'all with. That's a little taste. That's a little taste I'm gonna leave y'all with. Just a little something. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Arguably, Watermelon Man, also supernatural. Also Derville Martin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just a little peek, a little taste. Mm. Something. Mm. Something, to, something to hold you till next week. Walking around with the eye of Agamotto and we <laughs> ain't even know it. <laughs> All right, that's next week here on the Show Mission, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>